everybody. My name is Reagan. My name is Victor. And welcome to Sanctified-ish, conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. So I don't know how many people hang out to the end of the podcast, like the very end, not like even after we say goodbye, because we just keep going. We keep bantering. Yeah. And sometimes the music is too loud. You can't really hear us. But last week, you were very proud of me. You were very proud of me because I, I got a t-shirt. I got a brand new t-shirt with, it was a Spider-Man t-shirt. It had the spot on it. It was really did, cool. One of my favorite you, t-shirts. Did you get a new t-shirt? I have another t-shirt. <laughs> so I just wanted you to know that within the same month, I yeah. purchased for myself intentionally two t-shirts, which is more t-shirts that I've ever bought for myself in the past five years combined. Bro, I'm so, so I, proud of you. I just need I'm, you to know. I'm also so sorry for not responding to your text. That's fine. Because you That's also, fine. <laughs> you, I was so you, proud. You sent you sent me a text message <laughs> like, "Hey, it was like maybe 10:30 in the morning. It was like, "Hey, I bought a new T-shirt." <laughs> <laughs> and just radio silence from me. That was it. Yeah, you never responded. No, I um, didn't. But man, I'm I'm proud of you, bro. Thank you. I'm I just I needed that. I needed that verbal affirmation. Um, Because I've ever, like, in the past year, I've bought three t-shirts. I bought the t-shirt that I bought this weekend, the Spider-Man shirt, and then a Reebok shirt at Walmart. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) Was this new t-shirt in a TikTok you made recently? The... It was. Is it? it is was. it bright orange? It's it's tie dye. It's way out of my comfort zone, dude. I don't <laughs> I wear tie dye. Can you describe <laughs> this T-shirt for me, please? It's it's a tie dye shirt with a figure on the front, <laughs> um, from a good from a really good TV show that uh-huh. I like, um, and it's a great T-shirt. That yeah. seems like enough detail. Have, that have seems we, like enough detail. Have we told the story of that the Reebok shirt on here? I don't think that story has ever graced the ears of our listeners. Would would you like to tell it? <laughs> well, the, so this is this is the most mad I have ever been at you. I think so. You were yeah. angry. I was I was righteously angry at you. So me and my buddy Scrap were preaching a conference. It was probably in March. Yeah. And yeah. we I forget, were we just coming back? We were coming back from another trip. They were back to back trips. I want to say it was like a retreat or something. Staff retreat, yeah. It may have been staff retreat. Yeah. So we what I did is I packed for both trips at once because it was back to back. So we go to staff retreat and it was great. I have plenty of shirts at staff retreat. I come home and I'm like, (laughs) I need to do laundry. So I'm home for a day before I leave for this for this preaching gig. I take all of the shirts out of my bag. And I put them into the laundry and then I toss a couple new shorts in there and I'm good to go. Right. I had full intention of taking the shirts that I put in the laundry, taking them out and packing Mm -hmm. them to go. Mm -hmm. But that never happened. Good intentions don't don't really mean anything if you don't act on them. Mm -hmm. And so I get to Virginia. I toss my bag down on the bed. I unzip it. And there is shorts. We got sock. We got everything I need. Except, We're going shirtless, except for shirts. Yeah, <laughs> and the <laughs> shirt that I was wearing was like two days old, so yeah. I was hurting, dude. Yeah. So I go to Walmart and I buy a shirt that I felt like was fine. I felt like this shirt was perfectly fine. That's the thing that makes me so mad is that you thought it was fine. It's a you thought this Reebok. was an okay. You thought this was an okay thing to Reebok buy is a and good put brand. on your body. No, no, no. So here's here's the problem. What's wrong is with it, Reebok? 
No, hold up, hold up. Um, I got I got a FaceTime from from Victor and, and one of our friends. And uh, our friend was like, hey, so Victor didn't pack shirts. And I was like, well, he bought this one. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, he bought a shirt. And it just pans over to Victor. And <laughs> yeah, it is a Reebok shirt. It's great. But it says Reebok about 75 times all over the shirt. So it's three Reebok, different Reebok, shades Reebok, of gray. Reebok, 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 Reebok. Yeah. Like it literally just looks like somebody got white out and just like <laughs> put white out everywhere on this black t-shirt. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, man, don't I look cool? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I've never been more infuriated. One, that you didn't bring t-shirts. How do you not bring t-shirts? It, and two, was of an all the things that that is the shirt, you only bought one. You just bought one, one yes. shirt. And I was going to wear it for the rest of the and you did and i'm like no i found some old t-shirts in the back of my car that were clean i just took them so i wore those that is 10 times worse the reason that i forgot shirts so this this just shows how incapable i am of like basic things (laughs) it's like my wife loves to organize pack it's like one of her spiritual gifts it's great but that means she's been packing for me for like every trip since we've been married it's cute. and this trip she did not pack for me and of course of course the one trip that i'm responsible for yeah. packing myself i don't bring a single shirt but i'm proud to i'm proud to say that i did pack myself for a trip this past weekend and i packed everything i needed shirts included look so, at sanctification the lord it, it, hey you know what they say about sanctification three steps forward two steps back but that's one step closer to the person who I was apart from Christ. And no, that's what's that's, happening. Dang that's it. A was co- I, I was close. That's one step closer to the person who I was apart from Christ. Oh, no. <laughs> that's tough. It's, you know, man. That's that's the opposite of sanctification. It's, it's reverse sanctification. That's a, it's a long. That's It's one step closer to Jesus. What, one, one step, step, closer, one to, step one closer, closer to Jesus. To Jesus. Um, I still have that Reebok shirt. Burn it. And I'm going on. I'm I'm actually preaching at your campus here in a couple of weeks, and I think I may wear it. You're out of town. You can't control I'm, I'm what not, I do. I'm not there. Yeah. So I'm gonna send you a selfie. I'm gonna send you the whole sermon <laughs> of me preaching in this Reebok shirt, and everyone's gonna love it. <laughs> I I would hate nothing more. Um, <laughs> speaking speaking of you preaching, man. Um, today we're talking about. Uh, calling, calling into ministry and calling into specifically like vocational ministry. Like every yeah. single one of us is called to ministry. That's the great commission. Go make disciples, teach, baptize, all these different things. When we say ministry, we're talking like vocational pastoral ministry, um, church work. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, uh, we, we believe that there's like specific callings that you, when you, when you look through scripture, whether it is through Moses or through, uh, Jeremiah or through any of the prophets where like the Lord literally picks people up. Paul even yeah. was like, I have you for a specific task for a specific time. And there's always some sort of training that goes involved for that. And so, man, we're just going to talk a little bit about like what our own callings to ministry look like. Cause I think mm-hmm. even as student pastors, like, I feel like I have this conversation once a week. Uh, with students that are yeah. wrestling with, do I really want to go into ministry? What does this look like? Um, I don't even know where to start or how do I know if I'm called? Um, and so we're just going to be unpacking all of those fun, fun things today, man. So I think it'll be a good episode. Yeah. I remember when I was 
probably in 10th grade, I was starting to ask myself this question, am I called into ministry? And it's really funny. I remember, so me and my grandma, I'd go over to my grandma's house all the time as a kid. And we would, we would like, I was probably four or five years old. And I'd say, grandma, let's go talk. And, and she was like, okay, let's go talk. And so what we yeah. would do is she would pop open the trunk of her minivan and we would sit in the back of her minivan and we would just talk and I would ask her questions about the Bible. And I, yeah. and I don't remember much of this, but she tells me that I asked some pretty intense questions. I believe and that. She, she, I remember her for probably 15 years of my life. Whenever we would go talk in the back of her minivan, she would look at me and she would tell me, Victor, you're going to be a preacher. You're going to be a preacher. You're going to be a pastor. I just, I see it. I know it. The Lord's going to do something really cool in you. And she began affirming that in me from like literally when I was four years old, four or five years old. It was crazy. And I remember sitting in the back of her car. I was like, no way. You're crazy. I don't want to go work in a church. I remember I was probably like 10 or 11 and my dream was to be a video game developer. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make video games. You look at me and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. He wants to make video games. Fair enough. (laughs) Right. And it's like, that's what I wanted to do for so much of my life. But from a very young age, my grandma began affirming this in me. And then by the time I hit 10th or 11th grade, I started asking this question and I was like, Dang it, she may have been right um, because I'm starting to see my passions change a little bit. Hmm. And over the course of my high school career, the Lord just began to reveal to me through the affirmation of others, like my grandma from a long time ago, my desires from opportunities to preach and teach and operate in the gifts that he had given me. It's like there's actually beginning to be a lot of things that are beginning to show me that, hey, maybe... Maybe I am called into ministry. So that began the process. It was kind of those indicator lights for me, at least, that really began that process of me talking with my student pastor, talking with my senior pastor and teaching pastors about what ministry looks like. And man, it was really cool because at the time my church had had a plan that over the next 10 years, they wanted to send a hundred people into full-time ministry. And Mm. I was on that, like the first group of people that they kind of sent out to do that. So really every kind of step of my call to ministry seemed very orchestrated by God. Like there was a clear hand that was directing my passions, that was directing my gifts, that was directing kind of the trajectory of my life so that I would be called into ministry. And and I think lots of people have similar similar stories where it's like there's a very clear hand of God that is guiding them towards their call to ministry. But that's kind of what mine looked like. Do you you have like a specific moment? Because I feel like some people have like, this is the moment that I knew I was called or like others. It feels like this very long kind of gray mushy process. Like was yours a moment or did you have a process? I think it was a long process, but there was a, there was a catalytic moment that kind of sparked the process or maybe brought the process to a close. And that was my car accident. I've shared it on the podcast before I was T-boned by an 18 wheel semi truck leaving Bible study one night and should have killed me, shouldn't be here, shouldn't be recording a podcast. Um, and yeah, it's just like that moment began a wrestling match between me and God. Like a lot mm-hmm. of bitterness, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. Why would you kill, you know, almost try and kill someone that's going to Bible study and like doing the right things, involved in church? Like why like why almost take my life but let the drunk driver get home? And there was like lots of problem of evil questions yeah. that I was wrestling with. And 
just through conversations with my mentors, with my community, with my people, they were able to kind of hold me grounded during these questions. They didn't discourage me not to ask hard questions. They held me grounded, like in truth, while I asked those questions. And at the end of that process was the realization for me that each day is valuable. Each day is a gift. So how do I leverage it? Yeah. And already having experienced, right? Like my grandma affirm it from a very young age, already seeing a little bit of a desire and a little bit of a passion for it, already seeing some fruit and some opportunities to practice my giftings. It was almost like, okay, well, if these things are true and Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to take advantage of every single day that I'm given, the only correct response for me is to go into full-time ministry. Huh? So, well, bro, it's actually kind of fascinating that you say that. Cause I'm like, I feel like everybody who goes into ministry kind of has a similar, similar conclusion of like, basically the answer is like, I won't say no. Like right. if, if, if all of these things are true and you open this door, my answer won't be no. Right. And so I really don't trust people that come out of the womb being like, yes, ministries. I'm like, no, let's go. No, it's, no, it's not. <laughs> um, the best pastors are the most reluctant ones. Yes. But um, my story has a very similar conclusion, but a very different way of actually getting there. Um, like I'm a pastor's kid, which means being in ministry was the last thing that I ever wanted to do. Um, I wanted to be in the NBA. So clearly that worked out well for me. Um, there are a but, lot of NBA players that graduate from Wheaton. I do know that. <laughs> There's lots of them. We, Hey, we have a G league player. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we got a G league player, man. Uh, a couple overseas guys. That's you never right. know. You never That's know. Right. Um, if you go to Sweden, you'll find lots of Wheaton basketball players, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, man, like ministry was just never something that I wanted to do. Um, but I was also wrestling a lot with like who the Lord was in my own life. So I got, I was saved at six and it wasn't really until I was about 16 that yes, Jesus is both Lord and savior, but whether you let him be Lord of your life, like kids that grow up in the church are like, Oh yeah, I believe in him, but I still get to be controlling my life. And that's just a tension that you grow up with. And so it was really wasn't until I was 16 that Jesus was just kind of on the back burner for me. And I remember I got in trouble at home at the time and we didn't have a youth group or anything like that. We were at a church plant. And so I was supposed to go to a camp, um, actually down at this place called Ridgecrest in North Carolina. It was like a fuge camp or something like that. Um, I was supposed to go down there with another church and my punishment for getting in trouble at home was that I wasn't going to go to camp, which is the most Christian kid thing of all time. It's like, you know what? We're going to take away your time with Jesus. Um, go think about what you've done. And so, but I was, I was really disappointed because I was like, Oh, for sure. I never got to interact with like Christian girls that weren't my sister. And so it was like, I was pretty pumped. Um, so I was disappointed for a couple of weeks. Uh, long story short, we were about to leave for camp and my dad actually came up to me. He's like, Hey man, he was like, I think we made a bad call on this camps. Exactly where you should be right now. Put me on a bus, went down to North Carolina and I, man, I don't remember a single thing that the pastor said. Um, I don't remember a text that we preached. I didn't have this like altar call moment, but I remember like we were in some breakout, um, and one of the nights 
again, not even a leader. This was even more, this is more just like me and the Lord and yeah. me processing like logically where I was like, okay, I know he's my savior. If I really take the Lordship of Jesus seriously, that doesn't just mean my actions, but it means my life. Yeah. And so like the conclusion that I basically came to when I was 16 was it like, all right, if the Lord asked me, yeah, God forbid to go into full-time ministry, my answer wouldn't be no. Yeah. And so I, I think like, like that was my conclusion at 16. It wasn't a resounding yes, but it was like a reluctant, well, I, I won't say no. Right. And man, it's like, I didn't even tell my dad about it for another two years. So it was like, I, I sat on it and I processed that like even passively, I just kind of put it on the back burner for two years. Um, and it wasn't until going to Wheaton and it wasn't until I actually talked to my dad that I really brought those things mm. to the forefront. And my dad has some of the best advice I've ever heard for people who are going into ministry. Um, he was just like, man, if there's anything else that you could do, you need to go do it. Mm. Um, and he was like, like not talent wise. He's like, I know you can go be a journalist or whatever, right, but like, right. he was like, if you can wake up and be satisfied doing that for the rest of your life, you should go and do that. Yeah. Um, and so man, like a little bit like yours, mine was a very long process. Like, um, I got hired at our church at 23 years old. There's yeah. a seven year gap between the Lord kind of like, Hey, you might be called into ministry and me actually stepping into a vocational role. And in that seven years, the Lord refined and refined and refined and refined and refined to where it's like, I, I spent one summer at a church in Chicago uh, working on spreadsheets and how to assimilate people um, from large groups into small groups. And if you know anything about me, that is the last thing. <laughs> you are administratively talented, gifted. So, so say. administratively gifted. <laughs> but but it's like, you, you have to start somewhere. Like, you don't know yeah. what it is. You just kind of throw things, you throw things at the wall and you see what sticks. Yeah. And man, I spent one summer at 19 years old uh, as an intern and a student ministry. And I had the best summer of my life. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And then the Lord opens up doors down the road. So I think it's cool to see where it's not every calling is going to be the same because not every yeah. person is the same. But I think there's an ultimate conclusion that everybody in ministry gets to where it's like, if the Lord calls, I won't say no. Right. Yeah. And, and if the Lord is calling you and we know that the Lord is sovereign, it's, you almost are in a position to where you can't say no. It's like the Lord has orchestrated everything to meet so, into this so one So Calvinist point. of you. It's like, you can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> it's almost like you just can't do it. Um, it's fascinating. We were actually, I heard this yesterday, I think, where like you and I are both very different people in our interests and in our yeah. passions and what we like. But it's cool to see how the Lord can take the things that we're good at, the things that we're passionate about, and intersect that with ministry. Yeah. And so, because at least for someone like me who loves video games, you know, I love coding, programming, you know, that's just, that's just like my nerd culture that I absolutely love. Yeah. And for you, like, you know, pouring into basketball and athletics and yep. like, those are the things that you love, man, the Lord can take the things that, that you're passionate about and the things that you like and doesn't ask you to throw them away. He actually calls us to intersect them with the place that he's called us. And like, it's really cool to see how God can use both yeah. of our passions and talents in student ministry very uniquely. 
Just, yeah. I mean, we have tons of students that are athletic and love to play basketball every, you know, Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. And we have lots of students that will stay up until 11 p.m. at night and play Fortnite for the rest yeah. of the night. And it's like we have both groups. And the, since the Lord is sovereign over his church, he's putting people in places to yeah. reach his church most effectively. And that's what I think I've seen in my call to ministry. And even as I've watched students calls to ministry, it's like the Lord is sovereign over his church to put people in the right places that they're meant to be. Because I'll tell you, when I was I was asked to apply for this student pastor position (laughs) at my at at this church, I was asked to apply for it. And I told I remember I sat down with my, you know, soon to be boss at the time, sat down with him and I said, I will not take this job. That's what I told him when I sat down. I was like, this is just not it because it's, you know, it's a smaller campus. I won't have the opportunity to teach. It was none of the things that I thought pastoral ministry was. I was in seminary and I thought pastoral ministry was, okay, I'm going to come to church on Sunday. I'm going to preach. I'll go back Monday to Wednesday. I'm going to sermon prep. Thursday, I'll lead a staff meeting. And then Sunday, I'll be back and I'll preach again. And this was the cycle that I thought I was going to do for the next 55 years. And the Lord just kind of completely flipped that on its head. Because that is not what you do. That is not at all what I do. <laughs> like, at all. Yeah. And what the Lord has caused me to do is, like, he's He's put me in a place that stretched me, but he's also put me in a place where I can care for and shepherd my people really well. Yeah. And so now, even though it's not what I expected it to look like initially— yeah. It is so clear that where the Lord had placed me was intentional. And if I would have said no to that, man, I would have been missing out on something that the Lord had for me. Yeah. And I just don't want to say no for God. No, I think that's such a good point, dude, because uh, I think I heard Sadie Robertson say this one time, but I'm like, you're not called to a position. You're called to people. And so it's like people could hold so tightly. Like I remember the same thing when I was called to ministry, I thought I had to be my dad. And my dad was a senior pastor and he, he preached every Sunday and I, I, there was like, oh, I'm called to that position. Yeah. And I'm like, no, actually I'm not. Yeah. Like I'm not even called to my giftings. This, yeah. this is something I'm learning. My, my giftings are not my calling. My giftings are my tools to execute my calling. That's good. Like That's good. my calling is to glorify God and to shepherd and pastor his people. Like the calling is shepherding. The calling is pastoring and like preaching is a tool in which you do that. But like you and I both know, like, especially as student pastors, like, man, that is not the primary tool that we use. Yeah. Um, I'm more yeah, of a counselor. I'm more of a counselor than I feel like a preacher sometimes. Yeah. And, but I'm like, that's because my calling, especially right now in this season is to those kids. Yeah. And so I'm like, there's a lot of pastors that are more devoted to their giftings than they are to their callings. Mm-hmm. And man, that that's where I'm like, anytime I like sit down with a student who's wrestling through like, okay, well, what am I actually called to? Where am I going? Okay. Well, like, well, what it's, it's not a position. Like yeah. I, if, if, if I could get students out of the idea of like, well, this is worship leader or senior pastor yep. or whatever. Like if we can get out of the realm of that and be like, are you called to people? Are you called to his church? Like, are you called to, you know, shepherding ministries, yada, yada, yada. Like that may be a more holistic way of doing that. Um, than just being like, Oh, like I want this position and job. 
I think a good way to kind of cornerstone this um, episode here is there are probably people listening that are in a similar boat that you and I were in when we were in high school, right? And we're considering it, but don't really know, like, what does it look like if the Lord calls you? Do you have to be in a car accident? Do you have to, you know, not be allowed to go to a summer camp? Like, what is the (laughs) thing that that the Lord does in order to, you know, prove to you that you are called into ministry? And and you kind of laid out four things that Spurgeon um, notes in his kind of outlining of what it looks like to be called to ministry. And these things are all biblical. These are all things that the Bible kind of gives us as ways that the Lord calls his people into ministry. And so super quickly, could you just give us what those four things are? Because I help, I think it helps gives us a framework of what that calling looks like because everyone's yeah. calling narratively will look different, but these right. things should be the same. Right. So this is Spurgeon. So it's basically Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Jesus. And then Spurgeon, Paul comes further down. Yeah. Spurgeon's yeah. right under Jesus. Well, Spurgeon is the reformed version of Paul. Um, But so basically like Spurgeon talks about uh, like the number one thing you kind of look for is like he calls it an all absorbing desire for a work. I'll even just quote Jeremiah of like there's a fire shut up in my bones and I can't help but contain it. So like that in essence is like what my dad was asking me is like if you can do anything else, man, go and do it. But like if it is just kind of pouring out for you, not, not the work itself. You want to be dangerous that you're not desiring ministry work and glorification and like the desire of a stage, but the desire for God's people, the desire for his word, the desire to tell others about him in a, like that is the thing that should consume you. So if you have that, like all consuming desire for the work, that's a really good sign. Hmm. Um, the second thing he talks about is that there must be some form of like, you got to have the ministry skills. Yeah. Um, my dad also has this, this, uh, funny phrase where I came up to him and was like, Hey, so I think I want to be a preacher. And he was like, cool, man. Um, you may be called to preach, but is anybody called to listen? And I was like, ah, I mean, I facts. I don't know. True. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but that's so real though. It's, it's like, Um, one, not everybody's called to be a preacher. That's not the only vocation you can go into, but like God won't give you a hammer and expect you to row a boat. Yep. And so he gives you a hammer to build a house. And so there's a lot of people who desired a position, but have misdiagnosed their gifting where it's like, actually, man, you would have made a great missions pastor or something like that, but you're somehow stuck in a senior pastor's position where you're called to preach every week. And that's not really your gifting. Your gifting is with people. Your gifting is with connections. You know, everybody's name. And so it actually doesn't do the church any benefit for you to not know and understand what you're gifted in. Um, and this actually kind of flows into the next one where he's like, there's gotta be outside people speaking into it. Yeah. Um, where it's like people will be able to identify what you're good at. Um, again, it's like just because somebody tells you you're good at something doesn't mean that that's like an automatic confirmation. Right. But it's like, again, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a dual mind. So if the Holy Spirit is working something in you and the Holy Spirit works people works in your community to say, hey, I know he's working this in you. I can also affirm that. And when those two things go together, that's just a good indicator light yeah. of like what the Lord is already doing in your life. Yeah. Um, lastly, this is probably the one that I would put an asterisk by um, if I could with Spurgeon. Um, he says fruitfulness. 
in ministry is a good example of whether or not you're called to it. And I say asterisk for this because his, his argument is that like basically blessing will follow. Like if the Lord's hand is on your life, blessing will follow your ministry. I think there's an asterisk because just because you don't have hundreds of people coming to faith doesn't mean yep. you're not called. Yep. And so I think you can use faithfulness and fruit and blessing where if Absolutely. you are sowing faithfully there for 50 years and one person comes to faith, man, that is, that is the fruit of the Lord. Um, so I, I think there's, there's truth in that, that where there's roots, there's fruit. But I would put it as an asterisk of like, that isn't, that's why these things cannot be taken out of isolation. Right. I think all four of those things have to work together. Um, that just because you see the Lord moving doesn't always mean it's because of you. Yeah. And so I will link the article where Spurgeon, uh, it's the Spurgeon libraries. It's super awesome. I'll link that in the show notes for y'all. So you can dive deeper into what Spurgeon is pulling from scripture um, and kind of, prescribing is what a call to ministry looks like. And I could not agree more. I even think of Jeremiah, right? Like this prophet that literally, he's just like no fruit. And he was like one of the most faithful people um, that, that followed after God. And so I will link that in the show notes for y'all to dive deeper into. And Hey, if that's something that you're thinking about, you're, you're sitting in this boat and you're like, maybe I am called into ministry, man, email us. We would love to just hear about it. We're we're not your pastors. We're not your guides, but it would be really encouraging to hear kind of the story of how the Lord is drawing you into ministry. You can email us sanctifiedish at gmail.com. With that, you can find us on social media at ReaganJones97 and at Rotsiv157. You can also find us on Instagram, sanctified underscore ish on Instagram. And we have somewhat of an announcement and so I'm going to hand it over to Reagan because you can give this announcement more eloquently than I can. But we have just realized something and wanted to share it with you guys. Thanks, man. Um, but hey, y'all, we're coming up on like episode 35 or whatever. Season three. Of season yeah. three. Season three has been a beast. Um, and so Vic and I have been talking and uh, we're going to take a week or so to pray through this, but I think we're going to probably hit the pause button, um, on this season, cap it, um, take some time to rest, refuel, seek the Lord, come up with some new ideas, share what he's been, uh, teaching us and come back probably late fall, early spring, January ish. Um, with a whole new kind of revamped show, but this would be a really good time. Um, one, just be praying for us as we seek the Lord over the next couple of months. Um, but two, this is a really good time to like dive right back. Yeah. We got like 60 something episodes, 74. Um, 74 goodness, but see it's <laughs> 74 without a break. Um, yep. and yep. so I think Quite we're going to, we're going to take a well-deserved break and cap our season here. Um, and come back in the next couple months with some fresh content for you guys. Yeah. Hopefully this break will give us some free time to work, look into creating a patron program where we can create more exclusive content for people that would like to support the show financially. We can look at creating merch, which we've been interested in for a really long time, but really haven't had a ton of time to do. We can look into revamping our social media kind of presence and what the show looks like, get fresh ideas. And so this time off is really, is really going to be utilized for those things. So please know that we're not leaving 
we're not going anywhere. Podcast is healthy. We're, we're, you know, we love doing it with you guys, but I think these couple of, of weeks to months off can help us kind of refuel, recharge, and then come back swinging because quite literally, man, it's like even back to the podcast we dropped last week. Yep. It's like, well, Hey, when we have nothing to say, stop speaking. let's stop. Let's hit the pause button. Let's let the Lord speak. Let's let the Lord work. And then let's come back when we have something to say. So we'll keep you guys posted. There's an episode coming next week, but we're going to take this next week to pray over it. And we would love for you guys to join with us in praying for that as well. Guys, we're thankful for you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. And we will catch you next week for the final episode, potentially, of season three. Until next time, take care and God bless. God could give you a hammer to build to row a boat. You can cut down a tree and then you can build your row you, whatever it's called your oar. That is that is the most stubborn and thing you have ever you said. And then you can toss it into the river. No 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 and no. And then no. you can you can no. flow that, down the river. That like, is the th- that is the I'm thought. I'm just saying. That is the thought process of every guy that's come over <laughs> come up to a girl and be like God told me you're my wife. <laughs> That is the same thought process. Just you have saying. a hammer, and that's not meant for you, bro. You're swimming upstream with that hammer. Put the hammer down. She's not interested. Go build a house. Go build a house. <laughs> Go play Minecraft. Um, I will. Don't tempt me, bro. Cause <laughs> I will. Also, Ahsoka. Bro, so good. Thrawn. <laughs> Thrawn. So good. How how do you like space Jesus and Ezra? Bro, space. He literally looks like Jesus from The Chosen. He talks like uh, Ezra. Yes, like, he does. Spot, like spot on. Mannerisms are so yes. good. Yes, so good. Yes, they did, man. Filoni there, needs all of Star Wars. There's only one more episode, right? Seven no, episodes. There's, no, there's two more. Two more. There's okay. eight. Right. I don't want to watch a Star Wars project if it doesn't involve Dave Filoni. There was that top to bottom transition. Oh, goosebumps. Oh. All right. Episode over. Bye.